This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Open your scriptures with me. But you know, today, uh, we are thankful that you're here. Uh, God has been good to us. But this week, you've heard uh, Garth talk about that somebody got a text. I want to see who got the text that talk about uh, that the Pope or the President are talking together, they're signing the Sunday law, right? I think I got it. It was sent to me. And the text, I don't know who came from, uh, some Cummings guy, some type of guy. I asked, who is this guy who's sending this? And nobody knew who it was, but Harry Cummings or something. And uh, I said, well, they made it sound, the text made it sound like this week they're meeting. And that this week they're signing the Sunday law. Because they say, oh, the Pope is, the text just said the Pope is meeting with the President of the United States. They're signing, you know, encouraging to sign the Sunday law. And it just had this feeling of, oh, it's happening. The Sunday law is here. And of course, we at Venice, we know what that's about. Right? Amen? We've been hearing about this for years now. So I... Wrote back and I said, by the way, the Pope and the President, they met in March 27th of this year, early. They didn't meet this week. They met a few weeks back, a few months back. Why? So that text got me thinking and I started praying. I said, you know what? We need to talk about this, about the end time in the true biblical perspective. And so in the next few weeks that I have going back and forth in university... I want to share the true biblical perspective on the end time, what the Bible says about the end time. Because there's a lot of stuff being said and done and sent and email and digital and internet. It's a lot of stuff being said about the end time that you cannot back up with the Bible. You cannot back it up with the Bible. A lot of it is speculation and sensationalism. Because we like that kind of stuff. Have you seen why when you go through Publix, they got these tabloids and people just read it and sell so much? Because it's in our nature. We like to be in the sensational stuff. We like when the end is coming and when we only have one week and, and when somebody tells us that, yes, that is happening right now. And then we like to come up with dates, even though... We have learned by history, right? Our history says that we should stop to try to figure out the dates. Hello? So I want to tell you, I want to make this clear. We're going to get into the scripture today. Because the Bible, it's clear about the end time. But the Bible is clear about the big picture about the end time. What the Bible is not clear about is about the little details that we like to spend and waste our time on. Hello? The big picture is clear. Jesus is soon to come. And as a matter of fact, I want you to turn with me. You know what? I think today God is leading me to a different passage that I was going to do, but that's okay. Amen? Is that all right? It doesn't mean I didn't prepare. It's just that I'm going to talk about something else that I knew before we set this up. Um, 
there's my glasses, my helpers. By the way, after 40, most of us, right? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody's with me? <laughs> On that, yeah, some of you that are now 40 is like, no, not yet. You know, I, I, I want to I share this with you. Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. Let's, let's spend our, a little time there to set up our time to get in the scripture. So that you see that Christ is more interested in the bigger picture than the little details that we like to fantasize about. Amen? Matthew chapter 24. You all have heard that Jesus is the one who starts talking about the signs of, of, Christ, of his own return. Amen? So if we want to know anything about the end time, we should go to whom? To Jesus, too. Yeah, the Bible. We're going to go to the Bible. But what about Jesus, right? It's funny. Uh, and I want to clarify this. Jesus, it's my source and he's correct over anybody else. Amen? <laughs> one time I was preaching. I got to tell you, one time I was preaching. And I'm explaining about Jesus and one of those parables of the, of the time. And Jesus, when he talks about the, when Jesus talks about the, the vineyard, you go back. When Jesus talks about the vineyard, this is one of the preachings I was doing. Jesus says that the vineyard is, that the world is the vineyard. Amen? He says that. But then after the sermon, so I was applying that, I said about that. So after the sermon, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, LNG White says that the vineyard is the Seventh-day Adventist church. It's not the world. So therefore, you were wrong. And I said, no, 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 wait a minute. LNG <laughs> White takes the parable of the vineyard and she applies that to the church. That's not wrong. But that doesn't mean that Jesus was wrong in saying, and he said it, that the world is his vineyard. Amen? And I want you to understand that because LNG White doesn't precede Jesus Christ. Amen? Hello? <laughs> All right. Some of you haven't struggled with it. It's okay. Take your time. Now, she takes it, and, I, I, and I, I'm totally with her, and, and I commend her for her, and I think it's an inspired application of it, where she takes that, and she applies it to the church, and that's fine. Jesus meant that. I mean, isn't the church part of the world? Yeah. But don't get it mixed up. Don't you ever say, oh, well, Jesus was wrong because energy wise said. <laughs> he is the light. He is our leader, amen? And he's our source. So let's go back to our source. He says this. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up, verse 1, to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, this is what Jesus said, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left open another which will not be turned down. So Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple, right? As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, later on, he said the disciples came to him privately saying, and this is the question, and listen, and this is where you and I, I think we spend a lot of our time. So this is not new. This all sens sensationalism, sensationalism, there you go. Get twisted. Yeah, brother, here my tongue gets twisted. Sensationalism. This desire for 
to know the times and to be appraised of the times. And when all these things, this is not new because this is a human thing. We want to know, we want to spend the time on our details. And so they ask Jesus, they say, when, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? That sounds so much like the question that you and I have sometimes one answers to. When? Yes, Lord, you talk about the destruction. You talk that the temple is going to happen. But they said, Jesus, we want to know when. Tell us when all these things are going to happen. Tell us. We want a timetable. We want to know when this will happen. Just give us a sign. Give us, a, give us a, an approximate time. Just let us know. Give us at least an idea. And I think this is just human nature because they don't want to be caught by surprise. Amen. Nobody here want to be caught by surprise. But then interesting because if that's the question, you would think, and Jesus talks about the signs. I don't want to cover the signs because we're not going to talk about the signs. I want to talk about, this is kind of setting up the series that we're going to talk about. Because the next few weeks I want to talk about revelation. But revelation in the perspective of scripture, not revelation. A lot of people read into revelation stuff that's not even there. Trust me. So we're going to talk about revelation. But this is what, what, how Jesus sets out the signs of the times. He says this. Jesus answered to them. And, and, and this is key. Because he begins with this statement. See what? See to it that no one misleads you. Hello. Jesus knew that our tendency is and that we are easy to be misled, especially when it comes about the end time signs. So he said, listen, the one thing I want you to be careful, no, make sure that you're not following just anybody because people will mislead you. We, are, we're, we have the tendency to easily be fooled when it comes to talking about the end time and looking at the signs. And he said, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. Now listen, Jesus says that many people are going to come and this is the false Christ. But I also believe that he's also including here people that will talk about the end time in misleading ways to take the people away from the true focus of the end time signs. To go into little details, of trying to follow all these little foxes that do not exist that will will. will that they will mislead us into believing a wrong emphasis when we talk and when we're getting ready for the end time. So these are also false prophets. And he talks about that false prophets will come. But he says, for many will come in my name saying. And then he says, you will be hearing, verse 6, of words and rumors of words. See that you are not frightened. For he says, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. So they want a sign, right? Jesus said, okay, you want a sign? Here's a sign. You will hear rumors of wars. You will hear, right? But don't be frightened because what has he said? That's not the end yet. 
And then if you follow along all the different sides, well, you know what? Let's just take the time to read one or two more of those. Because he says also, uh, for the nation will, raise, uh, will rise against nation, verse 7, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But then he says, but all these th- signs are merely what? The beginning of birth pangs. So again, he's saying, okay, the sign of the rumors of wars, the signs of, of, of nation against nation, but he says, but this is just what the beginning of it. So he's giving them a sign. They ask for it. They want to know when. But he says, but this is, don't worry. This is, it's not going to happen yet. You want to know the exact time. But he says, you will hear of this. You will hear this. But don't worry. Don't get excited. I mean, about don't go freaking out and thinking that it's going to happen in a week or so, basically. He's saying, it's not the end yet. It's just the beginning of pains. And so he says, verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be. Hated by all nations because of my name. And that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise and will mislead many. Hello. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom. And then he gives this sign. This gospel of the kingdom, he says, shall be preached to the whole world. As a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. And then he talks about the pilgrimage times of the abomination. And he specifically talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. But the one thing that I see, I want you to see here. Is that Jesus gives him the sign. But he says, but to answer your question, the exact time and date. He says, that's not happening yet. He says, this is the sign. You know the sign. But don't go on, on trying to figure out what, when is this exactly going to happen. Because he says, that's not the purpose of the sign, he says. And as a matter of fact, this is what he goes into. I want, I want us to read uh, verse 33, 32 on of Matthew 24. After all these signs. Oh, and by the way, that sign of preaching the gospel to the end. Is the only sign that he says, okay, then the gospel will be preached, and, and then what? To all the nations, and the end will come. Now, is that a sign that we could base a prediction, an accurate prediction of when Jesus will come? How would you know when the world has been preached to every nation and tongue and people? Can you know? Let's talk about, can you know when everybody in Orlando would have known, have been exposed to the gospel and have the, the, the opportunity to accept Christ? No. So the sign is not meant for you to start figuring out dates and, 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 and begin to start being sensational about this whole thing. And say, oh, you know what? We're just missing even people going back into Genesis and trying to figure out when creation happened. And yeah, I've been told, and people have even taken, I've been in a home, in a house, where this guy has, he's been studying the scripture for years, and he's got all figured out. He went back to Genesis, he, he even put Methuselah and Abraham, he's got all these, you know, chronological charts. And according to him, you know, he's got to figure out when it may happen. The end and the second coming. And I'm thinking, I'm listening to him. <laughs> I feel sorry for him. I said, man, this guy, he missed the whole thing. 
He's wasting his time, spending his time, he's thinking that this is going to save him, this is going to help him. When Jesus said, and listen to this, because this is where we're going to go. Well, the parable of the fig tree. Now, learn the parable from the fig tree, he says. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near, amen? So you too, when you see all these signs, this is the purpose of the signs. When you see all these signs, recognize, he says, that he is near right at the door. Amen? So he's saying these signs is to let us know that he is near. Not the exact time. He's just giving us the big picture. When you see the signs, know that he is even at the door. Amen? And then he says... Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day, hello, verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Huh. Interesting. So he says, but the day that you're looking for, no one knows. Not even the angels. So you're thinking that I'm going to tell you and give you that day? He says, not even the angels know. He says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man, because there, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding and on the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. By the way, this is where those dispensationalists, they, they begin to talk about the rapture. They base a whole doctrine in that the doctrine, of the rapture on these two verses. That some people are going to be taken away. Kirk Cameron I think is the one. Right? That did the movie and made it popular. And On those two verses. But what they're missing is that the one that is taken. Like the flood. By the way. It says that one will be taken. One will be left. Right? What happened in the flood? The one. The flood came and took them all away. What do you mean? Destroy them all. So the one who will be taken, hello, left behind. If you're taken, bad news, you're being destroyed. Not what they say. They think that if you left behind, that, that if you're taken, that you're going to heaven somewhere. I don't know what they got. I don't really know all the nonsense they got figured out. But they think that that's what the prophet, what it talks about, has no, not at all. What he's saying is, the main point is that people, it's meant to happen that the second coming is just going to be as Noah. People are going to know, the signs are going to be there, but most of the people will not be ready, will not even pay attention to it. And so, he says this, now the signs have been there, he says, in verse 42, and, let, and this is where I finish this setting up, and then we're going to, yeah, totally going different than what I thought I was going to do today, but it's okay. Verse 42. He says, therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Amen? And then he says, but be sure of that. To be sure of this, that if the head of the household talks about how we need to be living. But in verse says that since we don't know, 
verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know. And, and, and another version says, therefore, watch, right, and pray. For you do not know the day that the Lord is coming. So my friends, my sisters, and those who got the text this week, who they sent it to me. By the way, don't send me texts like that, please. <laughs> don't waste my time. Because the Lord says that no one knows the day and the hour. Amen? But, he says, we do see the signs. Amen? Have you seen the signs? Yeah. As a matter of fact, John saw the signs. Do you know that John writes this old book and he says the time is what? Near. The whole message of the book. And we're going to get into it. Because to John, Jesus was coming soon. Hello. He says, and not, not only that, then he says, he finished the book by saying, therefore, you know, behold, I'm coming quickly. Right? With the reward. And so John finished the book and says, yes, come Jesus. Because he knew that when he saw the signs, he needed to be what? Ready. He says, therefore, see, nobody knows. But if you see the signs, then you need to know that you need to be watching and praying. By the way, chapter 25 is, gives us the, the way of how to be prepared. How to, be, how to do this watch and pray. Remember that it begins with the ten virgins, right? Chapter 25. And what happened to the virgins? Yeah, but what happened before they were lost? What happened to the ten virgins? They all fell asleep. By the way, how many fell asleep? The ten of them. So they were waiting for Christ's return. He tardy. It didn't happen when they thought it was going to happen. So they fell asleep. Hello, anybody sleeping here this morning? <laughs> Wake up. But in your life, what the purpose of these signs is that when you see the signs, you know that he's ready, so you got to get ready. You know that he's coming, that he soon return. And Paul, by the way, Paul, if you read his writings, you know that he wrote that the gospel has been preached to all the world, he said. This sign of preaching the gospel to all the world, Paul thought it happened. So in his mind, but he was ready, Amen. The truth of the matter is, my, my friends and my sisters and brothers, that God never meant for us to get caught up on the little details. And listen, by God's sake, stop this nonsense. If you see the signs, make sure that you're living in the way that we must live. But don't start telling people Anything about his coming, when it's going to happen. Because if it doesn't happen, when you think it's going to happen. And by the way, this signing of the Sunday law. Do you know that back in 1888, Senator Blair, he was about to introduce a bill in the Constitution of the United States. I mean the Senate that will make it happen that the Sunday law will be just for everybody. And so Ellen G. White and her contemporaries, they're thinking the Sunday law and everything that we've been talking about. When she wrote the stuff that she wrote about, she thought it was going to happen Were they wrong? Were the Bible writers wrong? No. They knew. They understood the, the times. But maybe what happens is that we get caught up in this sensationalism and everybody is trying to figure out the time when Jesus 
specifically says, listen, nobody knows the time. The purpose of the signs is that you and I be ready. And we got to live in the way that God wants us to live. If you want to know how, Matthew 25, the 10 virgins, the parable of the talents. By the way, if you want to be ready, you got to stop pew warming the church. You know, warming the pews of the church or the chairs, I guess. No more pews anymore. Because the talents, the parable of the talents said that if you are ready, you, if you want to be ready, you need to be engaged in the work of God in his kingdom here. You can't just be sitting down and waiting and, you know, listening to the preacher week by week and say, yeah, maybe this will get me ready. And then all of a sudden you hear that Jesus is coming and then you're going to be ready and you're going to get up. No, if you know that he's coming, if you see the signs, then you got to get up. You got to get dirty. You got to get involved. You got to get sick people. Listen, Jesus is coming soon, man. Look man. at the signs. Look, I, because people in the world don't see the signs the way we do. They see the signs. They know things are happening, but they don't interpret it the way we do. That's our purpose. If you really want to be ready, then you got to get engaged. You got to get dirty. It's not, you know, just seeking who's the best speaker around in town and going there and flock everywhere week by week. By the way, that happens a lot in Orlando. It's one of the hardest things to do to keep people engaged in ministry. And you think that this Church hopping around is going to get you ready. It ain't happening. You got to find the community and get involved and, and begin to work in the kingdom of God because it's the only way. What is the Lord going to do when he comes? He says, and, and he says it, chapter 25. What does he do? He sets shop. He sets his throne. And then he begins to do the inventory and say, hey, I give you so many talents. What do you do with them? Well... I knew you were a little tough, <laughs> and I was afraid for my life. I didn't want to lose what you gave me. So I just sat at church, and I knew I could sing. I knew I could do this, but, you know, somebody else was doing it. I knew I could share with my family, but, you know, I thought maybe somebody else would do it. I was just afraid. You know, I didn't have the gift of gab, or I didn't have the gift of evangelism. By the way, evangelism is not really a gift. <laughs> evangelism is a mandate we must evangelize how you can evangelize that's different the how is where the gifts come in but we're supposed to be partaking of the work of God it's not something just for the preacher and it seems that way sometimes and the elders now we, we're supposed to be all getting ready because you see the signs because you know, you understand what's going on. Because we have the bigger picture clear. So, is the Sunday laws going to be signed up next weekend <laughs> or this week? Who knows? Probably not on Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> but, whenever it happens, if the details that we figure out are actually going to work out the way we think they do. Because, by the way, let me share this with you. Remember the, second, remember the first coming. In the first coming of Jesus, you know that the Pharisees and the Jews had figured out all the details just like we have about the second coming. 
God was clear about the big picture of the first coming, of, his, of, this, of the advent of his son. But the people of God, hello, they were caught up in the little details that they have come up with after the information God gave them. They were so afraid to miss it. They started maybe tying knots and trying to figure out ways to how to really keep things faithful. They were afraid to be unfaithful. So let's, let's give them props that they, were, they had good intentions, okay? But when they began to look at Jesus' life, did I, did I lose power? Am I okay? When, when they began to look at Jesus' life, he fit the bigger picture. There was no mistake about that. But the little details that they have figured out about the Messiah, that they have come up with, after the information that God has given them, it didn't really quite fit. So I want us to be careful, even as a denomination, a Seventh-day Adventist church, if you're a stout and faithful Seventh-day Adventist church, I, I want to I thank you and bless you for that. But I want to give, give us this warning. I'm not the only one saying this. We need to make sure that we're clear about the bigger picture of the second coming. The details of it, that is extra biblical information, hello, we have a lot of that. Well intended, God given in many, in many, in many ways and purposes. Or perhaps he didn't give it to us so that we could start figuring out little details that might sidetrack us into forgetting the bigger picture of his coming and the purpose why it's there. Now, make no mistake, Jesus is coming soon, amen? Don't get me wrong. I started preaching this message of Jesus' second coming soon when I was 10 years old. And I believe at 10 years old he was coming. I, I didn't even think I was going to make it to school and get married and get kids. But guess what? I've grown, I got, got married, got kids, and still preaching this message because the truth is that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Because the signs will not let us forget that his soon return is here. Now, the other part of the story is this, too, that you and I, we, time is limited for us. So, in God's perspective, he's on time. Don't make, don't make that mistake. In our perspective, maybe he's taken 2,000 years later, like John thought. Maybe it's been 2,000 years later, according to John, maybe. But in God's perspective, he's on time. In our perspective, the truth of the matter is you and I may walk out of this place. And your time may be shortened. Hello. Oh, by the way, you didn't know you could die? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't want to be a, a very bad news, but it's a consequence of sin. And so, we don't have life secure, temporary life, only eternal life in Jesus Christ, amen? But we must be ready for his soon return. 